1: You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Fantasy football leagues. Then you've come to the then right place. Come. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Siddiqui and Zach Rizzuto. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Faraz Siddiqui. We have a very, very special guest in the house. That's NFL insider Jason LaCanfora. He's currently the host of Inside Access on 1057, the fan in Baltimore, uh, NFL insider and analyst for the Washington Post. Jason, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Fun time of year.
1: Definitely is, man. And and I have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Ravens and this new offense. Uh, what are the biggest changes do you expect going from someone like Greg Roman to Todd Munkin as offense coordinator?
0: Yeah, um, I, I think it'll be a pretty seismic shift. It, it may take a little bit of time to all manifest itself, but certainly, like the overarching philosophies and principles of what they aspire to be as an offense are drastically different than anything Lamar Jackson has been around to this point in his career. You know, because it was the the Greg Roman run first uh, scheme that he was operating in for the totality of his career up until this point. So um, I I think certainly, right, like just at the most base level, there there will be more volume in the pass game. Like they're going to throw the ball more. Um, They are going to throw the ball more horizontally than ever before, and they will have a robust screen game. And you will see probably less of Lamar Jackson, you know, trying to take off and and run on second and eight or whatever to – get the first down or move the chains and, and really it's being imparted to him. Like that's what, you know, that's why we have running backs who are, you know, running a wheel route or are, you know, engaging to chip and then going out into a pattern. Like you really need to embrace that. Um, you know, certainly if you look at the NFL in the last three, four years, the average team uses a fullback about 12% of the time. The Ravens were using a fullback over 60% of the time. And in many of their most important games, Pat Ricard was on the field 75% of the snaps or more. That's that's not going to happen anymore. Um, they want to be an 11 personnel team. That's what they aspire to. Now, are they going to do it as much as Sean McVay and Zach Taylor? You know, Are they going to be up there doing it 85%, 90% of the time? No, no but they're certainly going to be much closer to the league average than anything we've seen under Greg Roman. Um, You know, I I think you will see them going empty a little bit more than what we become accustomed to. Uh, I think, again, you'll see people like JK Dobbins and Justice Hill show up in the box score in ways that they didn't previously. Um, And we'll have to see about, the evolution of the deep downfield passing game. It's obviously something they want to get better at. Um, when I've been out there at camp, I haven't seen a whole lot of it. Uh, it doesn't mean they're not holding things back. It doesn't mean it's its not going to be there or develop week one or shortly thereafter. Um, but the points of emphasis I've really seen is let's develop a potent, high-percentage passing game. Let's get away from some of those heavy jumbo looks that we've had in the past. Let's spread this field out. Let's make defenses defend us horizontally and gradually more and more vertically. And I think the final thing I would say is Lamar Jackson has a much greater voice and much greater um, – uh, more autonomy in this offense than he did with Greg Roman. Um you know, I think in terms of audibles, in terms of check with knees, uh, really this is about Todd Munkin wanting to empower these players where I think a lot of these guys kind of felt like under Greg Roman, the scheme was always the star, you know, and if you just get into these looks and if you just keep running the ball, you know, good things are going to happen.
1: And, you know, and that was a, a big surprise to me when I found out and I read that Lamar Jackson didn't have – as much autonomy as he does now or really didn't have much autonomy at all to change plays and that sort of thing because it's like, you know, when you have these, you know, smart quarterbacks who literally are on the field, they read the defense, they see what's going on, but they don't have the ability to change the play or make an audible, you know, that kind of hamstrings your offense a little bit, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and again, I, I think a lot of times they just felt like we will, if we keep doing what we're doing, even if we lose this play, as long as we hold on to the football, we're through the course of four quarters going to grind you down. We're going to impose our will on you, you know, and we're going to, like, I guess one other thing I forgot to mention that I would say will be overt to anybody who pays attention to this team, did in the past or does now. Like, they bled the clock under Greg Roman. Like, they dominated time of possession, but they did it by snapping the ball in three, snapping the ball in two, snapping the ball in five. They want to dominate time of possession because they're putting together long drives with high percentage passes um, that are moving you around more, not just run, 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 run. You know what I mean? Snap it, run it, sit in the huddle for a while, play comes in at the last second, snap it. Because there's so much more um, the players having a voice in real time, you know, the idea is Lamar's already got three or four plays that he might go with and he's picking the one he likes the most and let's, Let's keep moving. Let's attack the defense, not statically, but dynamically. Um, and, I, yeah, and I think if you really did go back and watch those Greg Roman teams and you'd look at some of these games where the time of possession looked nuts, um, so a lot of it was because they were playing a god-awful football team on the other side, and a lot of it was, again, just if you went back and watched the game, how much of it was just plain bleeding the clock, right? Because if you're running the ball – the ball's not hitting the ground, the clock keeps moving, and if you keep snapping it right at the end of the play clock, yeah, you're going to eat up a lot of time. Doesn't mean you're the right. most efficient offense in the world.
1: Yeah, no, I hear that. And, and you know, it seems like you know this is going to be a faster team, as you're alluding to, right? A pass-heavy team, potentially. You know, it might not be as uh, pass-heavy as some of these other teams that we see in the NFL, but at least sure. more balanced, right? Which is not something that they had yes. last year. You couldn't say that this was a balanced team. Now, is this an offense that Lamar Jackson can thrive in, right? We haven't seen it yet. Now he did lead the league in touchdowns a couple seasons ago, and there will be more emphasis on him to throw the ball. Is Lamar ready to make that change? You know, because if he is like, I am, I'm very excited about the type of numbers that he can put up, right? This is a fantasy football podcast, right? So, I'm personally very excited. I would not be surprised if he was the overall QB one in terms of fantasy points, like he was a few seasons ago. Is this, is this something that we should be very excited about for Lamar Jackson?
0: Well, I I think so. I mean, first of all, he has real weapons, which he has never really had before. I mean, even in 2019, and you go back and look at that group of skill position players, you know, yes, you had Mark Andrews, but like, you know, after that, it's like Willie Sneed and Hayden Hirsch. You know what I mean? Like those guys were like – those guys saw a lot of the field. Like those guys were were sort of weapons um, for him or the closest he had to the weapons. They, they didn't have a group like this. And so part of the reason if I'm going to defend Greg Roman for a minute is it's like, well, you, okay, you want us to play 11 personnel. Well, which of my three receivers out there are winning anything? Like right. who is it? Is it Andy Isabella? You know what I mean? Is it Sammy Watkins? <laughs> Like who who is it? Is it Deshaun Jackson at the end of his career? Like who 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 am I who am I entrusting here? You know, Demarcus DeMar- Robinson was their best receiver far and away. And he, he's not he wouldn't make their team right now this year. So that that's how far they've come from a personnel standpoint. So yeah, I think if you go back to twenty nineteen where Lamar Jackson really shined and I think what quietly um got him that unanimous MVP, uh, yeah, the overt part, the obvious part was He was running and doing things with the ball in his hands. We hadn't seen before. Um, Not even Michael Vick, you know, I think was that dynamic, but he was also a genius in the red zone. Uh, And their red zone offense has dramatically uh, regressed from that point. So, yeah, I think if they can get back to that, um, and again, with an Odell Beckham, if Rashad Bateman can stay healthy, you know, I think Zay Flowers, especially if they put him in the slot with a two-way go to either side, that's going to be a difficult thing to defend. You know they really like some of their young tight ends, like Isaiah Likely. Um, I think he's basically a receiver. I mean, they call him a tight end, yeah. but whatever, he's a pass catcher. So, and with with guys like Justice Hill and J.K. Dobbins, who have really good hands and who can be weapons in the pass game, but they never got to show that off in the old offense. Yeah, I think if you're building a case for Lamar Jackson, I, I think you 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 look at what he's done in the past with lesser people around him. You look at who's pulling the strings now of the offense overall and Todd Munkin and, and his ability to scheme things up for a passing offense versus Greg Roman. And then you look at the personnel around him and it's a really good offensive line. It's their best offensive line since 2019. I don't know who the starting left guard is going to be. I don't really care if the other four guys are healthy, anything close to, you know, a replacement level left guard or below replacement level left guard is going to be fine. Um, But they need Ronnie Stanley to play. And the amazing thing about the Baltimore Ravens is I was just working on a column about them for the Washington Post. Ronnie Stanley and Lamar Jackson haven't played more than six games in the same season together since 2019. And they've played and they finished and completed 13 total games together since 2019.
1: 13
0: total games together since 2019 if they play 13 or more games together this year it's going to be a really fun offense and i think they're a playoff team if they don't for whatever reason then that defense better be a hell of a lot better than it looks on paper right now and i'm not sure i hear
1: that yeah exactly and that's you know another reason to think that this offense might pass the ball more right if they're going to be focusing more on the pass game and their defense can't hold opponents you know to 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 scoring yeah they're going to have to pass the ball more potentially you know with more you know negative game scripts at the end of games potentially and actually actually throw the ball opposed to you know Greg Roman potentially yeah. still involving the running backs <laughs> a ton uh despite them being down that we've seen in the past right um you mentioned these weapons and, you know, you mentioned the, the potential empty sets here, right? Like you're thinking about those three wide receivers, obviously, Mark Andrews, and then Isaiah Likely, potentially running out of the slot too, right? So that's something to get excited about for sure. Because like you mentioned, Likely is basically a wide receiver, right? Um, Rashad Bateman recently come off, came off the pup. Yeah. Zay Flowers' name has been popping up from camp reports. Odell Beckham Jr., veteran in the room. Yeah. How do you see this wide receiver room shaking out, right? The fantasy community is really split to be honest, between Zay Flowers and Bateman, you know, with a lean towards Flowers since Bateman's coming off the list, Frank injury, who should we be betting on as Lamar's number one wide receiver this year?
0: I mean, it's an interesting debate because um, you can look at it a couple different ways. Like, I talked about Ronnie Stanley and Lamar, two ships passing in the night. L- Lamar and Bateman. Like, you go yeah. back to Bateman's rookie year and Lamar... uh he finally starts practicing and Lamar gets COVID. Lamar comes back from COVID. He, he's got something going on with his foot, right? He finally comes back in the middle of that year. Lamar's about to get hurt. Like, you go the following offseason, Lamar's in the contract thing. He's not really around, you know, what Bateman is. And then we go into this past season and they play a few games together and then Bateman's got an issue with his foot and then Bateman's going under the knife. And then Lamar gets hurt too. And then Lamar is ready for the start in the spring, but Bateman's not, you know. So they just haven't really practiced much together. Now, his size, right, Lamar likes big targets. And you, you look at his size, you look at his reach, you look at his measurables and metrics and say, well, that, that should be a really intriguing target for Lamar. But I'm not sure how much the trust is there. And if you go back and look at what happened, but Lamar threw the ball Bateman's way last year and his passer rating and, you know, how many of those balls ended up picked off or how many of those balls ended up tipped or how many of those balls ended up in a miscommunication, it wasn't great. I think he loves Zay Flowers. And I think in practice he and Zay Flowers look great, but Lamar's not the biggest guy in the world. And Zay Flowers isn't that big. And that Zay Flowers is working in the middle of the field – the way Lamar operates the pocket, a lot of times that bigger target's going to stand out to him more. So I, I do wonder how that plays itself out. Um, you know, he and Mark Andrews, that's not going away. Those two, when things break down, there's a scramble drill. Those two have one brain. They share the same mind. They see the field the same way. Um, and I think Odell will get there pretty quickly. You know, Odell's spatial awareness Odell's understanding of that gridiron and where the pylon is and where the first down marker is and where, you know what I mean, where the boundary is. Like, it's it's special. Um, his body control is still special. So, but again, like, is he going to play five games? Is he going to play 12 games? Is he going to play 16 games? You know what I mean? Is Bateman yeah. going to get – like, is Bateman going to end up out? Is he going to end up on, you know um, – Ir again, like I, I don't know the answers to these questions, you know. Um, again, Flowers, he's a special athlete. I do think there's going to be a little bit of learning curve, and I do wonder about guys his size when it comes to really, really hooking up with Lamar the way you'd like. So um, I'll be as interested as as anybody else to sort of see how this plays itself out. Um, the good news for them is, like Nelson Aguilar is, isn't like. A world beater, but he's had a really nice camp. Like he can, he's a receiver in this league. Like when at the time they signed Nelson Aguilar, he looked like their number one or number two, right. depending <laughs> on when Bateman was coming back. Like now he's their four. You know, that's a pretty good four. Like they, right. they have like Laquan Treadwell like their five. Like I don't know if he's going to make the team or not, depending on what he can do on special teams. Maybe he's on the practice squad, but it's like you know. Again, Andy Isabella was their slot receiver in a playoff game with everything on the line against the Cincinnati Bengals. Andy right. Isabella wouldn't even be considered to make their practice squad this year. You know, what I mean, Andy Isabella's surplus to requirements immediately. That dude was, you know, seeing targets from, from Huntley in Cincinnati with everything yeah. on the line. So it's improved a lot. Um, which one of these going to pop the most? You know, w- which one is? Going to be Lamar's best friend.
1: I still uh, say Andrews. You know, I, I yeah, that's, what, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> shot to lead them
0: to lead them in, in touchdown reception. Uh,
1: that's what I was going to say. It seems like the answer here is Mark Andrews, right? There's a little bit of you know ambiguity, right, when it comes to this wide receiver room in terms of like who's what's the pecking order, right? I'll probably bet Zay Flowers versus you know, you know, I think Rashad Bateman is a true wide receiver one when healthy, right? But that's that's the question, like how healthy is going to be. Is going to uh, get off to a slow start. Yeah. Um, you know, he is a. I think he is a true alpha in this league. It's just a matter of him, you know, being one hundred percent. But yeah, I think Mark Andrews is probably just. You know, if you are going to bet on anybody, bet on that connection, right? Because if this is going to be a more pass heavy offense, then Mark Andrews is just simply going to get more targets, right? And he's probably going to be the alpha on this team uh, when it's all said and done. Now, I think so. The Jake, yeah, yeah, and, I, I and would, the J.K. I would Dobbins. Tend to agree with that. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Uh, So the JK Dobbins contract dispute, right? Uh, That has seemed to come to an end, right? Dobbins, I guess, you know, he really didn't have that much leverage in this situation, right? Him and his camp have seemed to realize that he magically came off the pup, magically healthy now, and he's back at practice. Uh, I'm personally a big believer in Dobbins ability as a running back. And, you know, despite this offense, potentially not overly reliant on the run game. You too. Okay, good, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one here. Now, I still think with Dobbins healthy now, he can have a big year. So do you think, you know, do you see this backfield continuing to be a relatively, you know, a little bit of a split, even split between Dobbins and someone like Gus Edwards, like we see in the past, or do you think that there's going to be a little bit of a considerable gap in terms of usage between Dobbins and the rest of this running back room?
0: I have real questions about Gus Edwards and how he fits this offense right now, other than as a short yardage back. Um, they really like Justice Hill. Justice Hill is their best back and pass protection. Like, It's not particularly close. And Justice Hill was the guy getting all those reps in the slot, getting all those reps split out wide in the red zone um, during all these spring and summer practices while Dobbins was holding in. I think he's he's curried some favor with uh, Todd Munkin. I think Todd Munkin believes in Justice Hill's skill set especially in tight spaces so i kind of think like we talked about pat ricard and how exactly does he fit in i'm not sure again the volume's not going to be there in the run game this idea of edwards mr inside and dobbins mr outside i think dobbins becomes mr everything justice hill becomes a really interesting understudy and a guy who spells him and i think dobbins might become mr short yardage back um I mean Edwards, so yeah. I don't know about I don't, the, the Gus Edwards thing. Uh, he, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that he he fixed this much. And the problem that they want to avoid as well is, and this would happen at times under Greg Roman, like you don't want that personnel to be a tell. You know what I mean? Like if it's to the exactly. point where the every every time Gus Edwards is on the field, we're running the ball. then Gus, then we're exactly. going to be real judicious about when Gus Edwards is on the field, especially if we feel like we've got personnel packages. Where we could be in the pistol with Dobbins or, or Hill next to Lamar and the other guy in the slot. Right? Like I, I think they'll find ways to get those two on the field together. Dobbins and yeah. Dobbins and Hill. You know what I mean? So I don't know about the Gus like Edwards that. part of it.
1: I, I did see Justice Hill run ahead of Gus Edwards in the last preseason game, too. And, you know, and he did break a big play. And I'm wondering You know, it seems like there is some smoke, like fire weather smoke here, you know, with Hill as as the more versatile player over Edwards, right? And also maybe suggesting that there is a larger gap between Dobbins and the rest of this this backfield than we think. Now, with Munkin coming on here, do you think that there is room for Dobbins to have his best career, uh, his best year in terms of uh, receiving usage?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's a low bar to clear. I, I don't have my notes in front of me, but at one time... I went and looked at the number of routes that got that Dobbins ran in like his final twelve games under uh, Greg Roman, and it was it was like a mind-boggling figure. You know what I mean? It was like less than thirty total routes <laughs> run. Like it, it was just like, right. what are we doing here? You know what I mean? He never saw the ball in the red zone. Like you're running draw plays for Huntley in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like
1: right. this right. guy
0: is your best red zone weapon. You never threw to him in the red zone. You didn't get him as many carries in the red zone because it's a QB keeper or it's Gus Edwards or it's a pitch play to Patrick Ricard or a direct snap to Mark Andrews. That stuff happened. Um, So, yeah, I I think, like, really, Devin Duvernay and J.K. Dobbins were two guys who I felt like were criminally um, underutilized or oddly utilized by, by Greg Roman. Um, I don't know where Duvernay fits in anymore because they got nine thousand receivers now. Although, obviously, you know he's an All-Pro return guy, and I would think he has a role there. Um, but yes, I mean, I think J.K. Dobbins—if you looked at what he did when the ball was in his hands, it was dynamic. But I don't think he ever got more than five, four or five targets in a game. I don't think he's ever caught more than two or three passes in a game. Um, I know he's never had more than fifteen touches in a game. Like right. he was a demon from scrimmage but he averaged so few touches that his scrimmage per game is like 65 yards, but he's averaging five, five, a run. And when you do throw the ball to him, good things happen. You just would take him off the field when he got in a lather for the other guy. And then you refuse to throw the ball to him. And look, the reality of the NFL economics is they're going to chew Dobbins up and spit them out. Right? Like, I don't think anybody's going to worry about the wear and tear of Dobbins this year. And if you're J.K. Dobbins, frankly, you need to show that you're durable, right? Because even if you're not getting paid here, you want to get paid somewhere. And your only chance is if you show you're a three-down back, I can win for you on, you know, I can win for you on all four downs one way or the other. So, you know, he's been begging for more of a timeshare for years. I think he's going to get it. I think it's going to be to Gus Edwards' detriment. And I do think Justice Hill, um, is is going to be much more of a thing than he was under Roman.
1: I love it. Uh, that's what I want to hear because I've been banging the the drum for J.K. Dobbins this year. You know, despite the hold in, you know, this this seemed like a situation where and you know to buy the dip on Dobbins when it comes to fantasy football. You know, because most people aren't in on Dobbins, and you know he's been injured right last year, coming off a really bad injury. So you know, I kind of give him a pass on that. Now coming into the season seems to be healthy so it, it's looking like he's going to have a big year despite this not being yeah. as well, much of a run run heavy offense
0: and he wasn't going to get any more money and I think he knew that but the message he was sending to them was I'm not risking getting hurt in in you know I, 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 I like he got hurt in a preseason game against Washington two years right. ago and it took him a year and a half to be the same and he missed out on getting paid after year three because he's coming off a major surgery instead of yeah. coming off what we all thought was going to be a career year. Um, with Mark Ingram gone, right, and him proving to be the best back on the roster. So, yeah, I, I think Dobbins – I know he's healthy. He's been healthy the whole time. It's just, do you want me standing on the sidelines out there, not practicing? You know what I mean? Or would you rather me just do my work inside? Because I am holding it. I'm not. Neither one of us wanted me to play in the preseason games, and I don't want to go out there and practice and tear my ACL cutting on wet grass or whatever, you know. So I'll go out there when I absolutely have to a couple weeks before the season because you got to start getting in game shape. Right. But I, I think it was more about his health than it was about money. Like I don't want to get hurt out there in some stupid seven-on-seven
1: drill. I got you. I got you. Okay. Okay. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, do you expect the starters to to, to get some action tonight?
0: Nope. <laughs> I, I think the, the misnomer about it, the misnomer about this twenty-four straight game, you know, preseason streak is that John Harbaugh, you know, cares and they have the best depth in the league. No, I, I think it's been like they've been really lucky. I mean, last week <laughs> right. Justin Tucker kicks a sixty-yard field goal. Right, Elliott misses a chip shot. The Eagles go for two at the end. Like, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened here. But especially going back to that Dobbins injury, John Harbaugh's become one of the most risk-averse coaches in the NFL. Um, That, I think, he still wakes up in a cold sweat some nights about what that season could have been. And frankly, what J.K. Dobbins' career could be, had he not had him out there, you know, oh, we're just going to get in one series, and then he gets hurt on the first play of that one series. right? And he's not the same, you know, until December – whatever, 18 months later. So I think the idea that, like, he plays these to win is ridiculous. Um, I don't – no, I don't think any any starter, any proven player, you know, other than maybe Justin Tucker does a whole lot in this game. That's a notoriously bad field surface in Washington. I'm not sure if the new owners come in and clean it up yet. I doubt it. He's had 9 million other things to deal with. They've seen guys (laughs) hurt there in the past in regular season games and preseason games. You know, I – no, I don't think that – they did get their only joint practice work of the week with Washington. This past week, you know, Huntley looked really good last week. He hurt his hamstring in that game. He's not going to play. There'll probably be one half of Josh Johnson and one half of Anthony Brown. I think Washington's going to play this game to win. I think this coach who's on the hot seat is trying to send any message – To that owner, possible that hey, I'm a real viable NFL coach. They're trying to prop Sam Howell up. The Eagles' number two defense, number two offense, moved the ball up and down the field on this Ravens backup defense last week. Um, I think Washington's looking at that, saying, let's do the same thing. And no, I don't think John Harbaugh has a whole lot to potentially win here. If that streak stays alive, it stays alive. I don't think it will. But no, I think this is just an exercise and looking at some depth and getting beyond, just getting past the scene.
1: Yeah, no, I hear that, man. And you were a longtime beat reporter for the Washington Commanders, you know, with Redskins at the time. Uh, and, and I want to hit on Sam Howell being named the starter there. You know, the Ravens are playing the Commanders' <laughs> in season yeah. action. Uh, and even before we get there, though, there was a obviously a very significant owner, ownership change there, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're now focused on a very different type of franchise in Baltimore. You know, just knowing what you know about the Baltimore franchise now... Yep. Is this a a night and day type of comparison between the two franchises as a whole as you knew it?
0: Yeah, I mean, really, I I don't even know who compares to Washington when you look at um, that franchise in its totality, you know, stealing from people, literally robbing your fan base, lying about the extents of your season ticket list to try to create artificial demand, Um, things they did selling their own tickets on the secondary market, which at the time were outside of NFL rules, um, not sending people their refunds on, at least in a timely manner, right? having to be sued for that, Um, the climate in their building being one where, um, you know, interns and, and lower people in the totem pole felt constantly preyed on by middle management and upper management. Um, the things he would say to people, the way he would treat people, uh, there's no – I mean, I, I know there were other franchises that have been bad for a long time, right? You know, the Browns, the Raiders, and and uh, there's, there's a lot of disgusting stuff that happens in the NFL, but I think Dan Snyder took it to another level um, during his time in this league. And so, no, I, I don't – I think they were – it, it just was so – beyond the pale what would happen you know what would go on there on a day to day basis uh you know but it's it's a great fan base it's it really is a sleeping giant and the the people are excited about josh harris they should be excited about josh harris the fact that he has previous ownership experience i think is huge not that it all translates to the nfl but it's gives you a little better head start um and, yeah, I, I think they'll eventually get their facilities upgraded. I think they'll have a new team headquarters. I think they'll have a new stadium. Um, and there's nowhere to go but up in terms of being a contending, you know, a franchise that at least can put a decent product on the field most years. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's an exciting time for them. Uh, I don't think there is any comparison really between them. And the Ravens, I know a lot of Washington fans would look, you know, 40 miles, down, 40 miles down the road and say, man, why can't we have a franchise like that? And, uh, you know, they, they very well might now. Uh, it's a lot easier sled in the NFC than the NFC these days. And, you know, I don't I don't I don't think it's a terrible roster there by any stretch of the imagination. Do I think Ron Rivera is the guy to get him over the hump? no. Uh, but I think this year you can evaluate a lot of people in that building. I think there's some smart people in football operations there. I think Sam cow, Ka- Sam Howell will prove to be a capable NFL quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be a, a huge difference maker. I don't know if he's going to be great. I think he certainly can play in the league and you can win games with him. and they'll have to see what else is out there in the offseason. I think they'll win too many games, frankly, to be in the upper echelon of the Caleb Williams conversation and competition and all that. Um, but who knows, uh, but, yeah, I, I think um, that they could be a viable franchise here in short order.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, they brought in Eric Bieniemy. They have some good weapons at wide yes. receiver for Sam Howell. So, you know, there is some, some upside here potentially. So, again, guys, uh, you can find Jason every weekday on 1057, the fan in Baltimore and on the Odyssey app as well. Uh, he's Jason LaConfora on Twitter. Uh, Jason, you have so much going on, man. Like, what You're doing some betting stuff as well on Sportsline. What else are you up to?
0: Uh, well, I'll, I, I'll be hosting some um, gambling uh, pregame content on NFL Sundays on Odyssey and BetQL. Um, so that'll start week one. Uh, yeah, I've got uh, CBS Sportsline where my best bets column will be starting up again shortly, and then I'll be on Doing live betting shows with them Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays, whatever whenever NFL games are being played, I'll show up once or twice a week in season um, with my column at the Washington Post. And then yeah, two to six weekdays uh on um 1057 the fan. And then some pre and post game for the Orioles as well uh on Masson. Uh so yeah, it's 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 uh it's a fun time of year, man i love it yeah uh, man the, it's the coming Raven soon be really good and the Orioles are going to the postseason so it's a fun time
1: it, it, it definitely is man well uh, you know we all appreciate your insight, jason we really appreciate your time man thanks for coming on
0: thanks for having me you
1: all got right. it buddy all, Have right, great day. all right take it easy